And we're back like we never left. Welcome to episode 89 of the Confessions of a Not-So-Dangerous Mind podcast. I'd like to thank you all for spending some of your Friday evening here with me in New York or wherever you might be. If you're checking out episode 89 on the YouTube channel, haven't done so already or enjoying the content, click like, subscribe, comment, flip on those notifications so you don't miss any updates. Or if you're checking out episode 89 on the audio platforms such as Spotify or iTunes, so generally applies. Like, subscribe, turn on those notifications. So as I was pondering episode 89, I realized that I have not talked at length about one of my favorite film series, franchises, the Indiana Jones franchise. The final film of the original trilogy of three, because there now have been a total of five, but the final film was released, I believe, Memorial Day weekend of 1989, episode 89. When I think of Harrison Ford, I think Indy first, Han Solo second. I did a poll, actually more than one time, among film fans, and it was 50-50. Which role is more important to you as a movie fan, or which role means more to you personally? Either way, it doesn't matter. Again, this is not an exact science here. This is opinion, this is feeling. The fact that so many people took part, and so many were passionate about why they chose Han, or why they chose it. I love Star Wars. Episodes four, five, and six are three of my favorite films. But the first three Indiana Jones films, gun to my head, I might actually take them over episodes four, five, and six because all three indie films are superlative, spectacular in different ways. The first two and a half Star Wars movies, episodes four, five, and six are incredible. And then those fucking Ewoks show up, raining on our collective parade. Yes, they're adorable. I understand what George Lucas was doing. They are essential to the plot. I know that I got that. But the movie is so good until that split second where you say, oh, God, Ewoks. For me, the OG Indiana Jones trilogy, all three movies, are extraordinary. And I mentioned uh, in the episode where I discussed some of my favorite action movies, which on this wall, that's one of them right there, Dirty Harry. I did discuss briefly how the Indiana Jones trilogy would qualify for me as an action movie, an action franchise. But it's so much more. It's so much more than just a great series of action movies. And I remember all the way back, and this is the sort of thing that it's going to be lost to history because this sort of memory would not really form the same way now with social media, with culture coming at us a million miles a minute, and this sort of uh, old-fashioned word of mouth spreading from person to person person, in this case, for something good, which is, hey, a movie that just opened. I heard it's great. So-and-so went to a preview screen. He said it's amazing. And I remember this so well. I was seven, 
And my parents and I, my sister hadn't been born yet, were over at the family friends who lived elsewhere in Massapequa. We were just, you know, having a night over there. And my parents' friends mentioned how they were going to a late showing of this new movie everyone's talking about, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I hear it's incredible. I saw the TV review with the CBS guy, his name was Dennis Cunningham. The wife, she says something, husband, yeah, so-and-so at work. Oh my God, he said, you've got to see this movie. My parents decided not to join them. It's not something my, my parents would have done. Certainly not my dad. On a Friday night, I assume this was a Friday, could have been a Saturday. He's not going to be out at 1 o'clock in the morning. Zero chance. It's, he just wasn't wired that way. Now, if he had a plan to see the movie, he still wouldn't have gone to a 10 o'clock screening, I don't believe. But they ended up not going. And when Dad told me, you know, a few days later, again, I was a small boy, I said, hey, did they, what did they say? Did you talk to Richie about the movie? So, yeah, he said it was great. Kind of wish we had gone. But I didn't see Raiders of the Lost Ark in theaters because it was rated R. Uh, my parents did want to see the movie. And I don't think that they went... They, it's possible they went to see it together. I remember my mom kind of lobbying my dad. Dad was kind of rough. You know, he already seemed old. He was 36 at the time. 36, I'm sorry, he was 39. But he already seemed old. He was very much of a bit of a fuddy-dud and set in his ways. Maybe they went to see it. I don't remember. But my first experience seeing Raiders of the Lost Ark, and I give my parents credit on this because there were times where they acted like real martinets and that I wasn't going to be allowed to watch a Raider R movie until I was 17, which was the theoretical, you know, the barrier. Can you go to a movie on your own if it's Raider R not until you're 17, but accompanied by a parent or guardian, you know, the, the same rule as today. It's all right. There were certain R-rated movies that my parents didn't want me to see, but they presumably asked some people questions, or maybe my dad did some reading, I don't know that, but when Raiders premiered on HBO, I know it's rated R, Dad, can I watch this movie? He got that goofy smile that people who know him remember. It's one of the most memorable things about him, because he was such a, uh, he was such a serious guy all the time, but he loved to laugh. You had to know him, though. He seemed more serious than he actually was to people who knew him only casually. But he had this smile that he would get, almost a smile of being mischievous, and he maintained it until near the end of his life. One of his most endearing qualities, for sure. But 38, 39-year-old Alan Philip Cohen, when Raiders of the Lost Ark was going to premiere on HBO, and I'd been hearing about it from other kids who were my age or months younger, what do you mean you're not allowed to watch the movie? What's wrong with your mouth? Shut up. Shut up. Fucking fight you. Dad got this mischievous smile and said, it's okay with your mother. Now, I don't remember if he said, we talked to so-and-so, there's no nudity, whatever the mechanics were. It's okay, you can watch the movie. I know it's rated R, but you've been looking forward to it. And it's something that I appreciated about my parents. They had rules. They were not pushovers. At various points, I was scared of both of them. They would do the bad cop, good cop thing. Sometimes mom was good cop, dad was bad cop. Other times, dad was the one, don't worry. Try not to make your mom angry. 
oh my God, I don't know if I could control. He didn't actually say that. No, he couldn't control. That's for damn sure. Never, ever, in all the years they knew each other, did he control. That's what we call null set. My mom, Candy Bright, got phone, cannot be tamed. Good luck. There's <laughs> a woman who makes left turns on red lights. Good luck. But first viewing of Raiders of the Lost Ark in the den of the old house in Massapequa on what I think was a 17-inch TV. You know, for the day, it was a very nice television. He had a, a bigger TV in the living room, I believe, like 22-inch, which, oh, my God. Yo, what of my dad used to call him Cone? Cone, this is a great TV. Yeah, no shit. He's allowed to have a great TV. He's a great accountant. Isn't it okay that he got himself a nice TV to watch? Come on. Hey, he must have spent a fortune. Hey, fuck you. <laughs> he didn't say that. I'm thinking that to myself. First viewing of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Despite all the buildup, despite the fact that I've been waiting for this movie for a year, amazing. Mind blowing how good it was. So you figure I saw it sometime in 1982, so I hadn't even turned nine. I was eight years old. And let's be honest, that's not a movie for an eight-year-old, even now. It was rated R for a reason. The face-melting shit, some of the other stuff that goes on in that movie, there's some pretty gruesome deaths in that film. The guy with the hand where he has to dunk it in snow because it's burning up. Loved it, and I watched it every time it was on HBO if I was home. You know, or Cinemax, or whatever, whichever uh, happened to, network happened to be carrying it at that time. Like, that was a standard. That was a movie HBO used to rerun frequently. It was popular. It wasn't, yes, they had the rights, but if nobody was watching, they were able to track numbers like that back in the early 80s. But I watched it over and over. And I just, I loved it. It's one of my favorites. So in 1981, three of my favorite movies. One, Chariots of Fire, my all-time favorite movie to this day. Raiders of the Lost Ark, another movie I absolutely adored. And a third movie I love from that year, which is nowhere near the quality of the first two that I mentioned. You know, Oscar winner for Best Picture, Chariots of Fire. And multiple Oscar nominee, including Best Picture, Raiders of the Lost Ark. But the so-called soccer movie, Sylvester Stallone and Michael Caine and Pele and Max von Sydow and a whole host of famous footballers, soccer players. Sorry, we're in the United States here. I'm going to say soccer. I can't, I, I always struggle calling it football. I think football, I think we just watched the Super Bowl. That's football. That's beside the point. Victory, or Escape to Victory, as it's known across the pond. What a fucking great movie. Same year. So I would say that year of 82, when those three movies were on, available on HBO and Cinemax, they wouldn't have gotten the network for quite some time. I used to seek them out. I would read the HBO guide. Not even the TV guide. There was a special guide that showed what was on HBO and Cinemax at the time. And there would be little, like, cool little articles that they would write about some of the movies that were premiering. It was a fun little magazine to read every month. I enjoyed it. I was a big reader when I was a kid. But I would look to see, is Victory on this month? And this is going ahead now to, like, 1983. When my sister was born. Ah, oh, shit. Sorry, Jess. I shouldn't have said that out loud. Anyway. Um, how many times is victory on this one? Is there any way that I can watch it again? Didn't have any VCR yet. 
You could only see what happened to be presented on television at this particular time. An enormous difference from being a kid growing up as a Generation Xer to today. Huge! That's what she said. When is Raiders of the Lost Ark going to be on again? When is Chariots of Fire going to be on again? And when is Victory going to be on again? I sought them out, and if I was home, it was always appointment TV. Those three movies all released in 1981. And I don't remember us ever, we certainly never bought a uh, VHS tape. The VHS tapes were weird the way they did it. Some of them were priced to, priced to own and others were priced to rent. Price to rent means that they're not, they're selling it for 90 bucks. They're telling you that you've got to rent it at a video store. And maybe you'll get, you know, a, a copy that's been played 300 times, you'll get it for 20 bucks down the road. Price to buy or price to own, it would be like $30. Now, think of the absurdity in 1982 of spending 80 or $90 on a tape that you had to manually rewind, yeah, in the machine, but it would take six or seven minutes to rewind. The technology was so weak and primitive, but groundbreaking at the time. My dad was so proud of the fact we were one of the first people we knew to get a VHS player, VCR. Holy shit, this is the greatest invention of all time. Better than the car? Yeah, better than the car. Obviously, he was kidding. I don't remember ever renting Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, maybe until years later. And then when we got a VCR, then you could tape your own movies, and we had a tape that had Raiders of the Lost Ark on it. Now, I remember a couple of years later when um, Empire, excuse me, a Return of the Jedi, 1983, summer, the last of the, what is considered the OG Star Wars trilogy, even though the numbers are out of order, it's episodes four, five, and six, then they went back and did one, two, and three, and then they did seven, eight, and nine. For me, the OG Star Wars trilogy is four, five, and six. Release years 1977, 1980, 1983. But when Return of the Jedi came out, Harrison Ford was working on the second Indiana Jones film. And this is so absurd that I, that I did this and out of context ridiculous. So I'm a, a Star Trek guy. Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, my favorite Star Trek movie, my favorite piece of Star Trek fiction, period. I was down in Florida in, this, I believe, the summer of 1984. It was probably early summer. I don't remember it being brutally hot the way it would have been in July or August. And Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom opened, it was in theaters. And Grandpa Nat, he said, you know, you want to go to the movies? Sure. I had a choice between Star Trek The Search for Spock or Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. And I don't know why to this day I decided to see Star Trek The Search for Spock. An okay movie. It's fine. But I could have seen Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom at age 10 on the big screen. Punted. That's a moment I'll never get back. Almost 40 years ago. Which of these two movies do you want to see, Junior? You know, I really kind of want to see Star Trek Free and Search for Spock. All right. We'll go see that one. I remember coming out of Star Trek Free the Search for Spock. I liked it. You know, it's a three-star movie. Nothing great. Nothing special. Three stars. 
not as good as two, not as good as four. Better than five, not as good as six. It's not even as good as Star Trek The Motion Picture, which I think is vastly underrated. But I digress. We walked out of Star Trek III, and right in front of us was Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom was playing in the theater opposite the one where we had seen Star Trek III. I peeked in on an iconic moment. As I peeked into or through the window, and the screen was right in front, it's the moment in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom where on that rickety bridge, if you could even it's an insult to bridges to call that thing a bridge towards the end of the movie where the kid is bouncing around and it almost falls to his death. But I looked through the window as Harrison Ford came towards the camera, holding the knife, not realizing, okay, we're fucked. And in that brief few seconds of staring through that window, I felt that sting of regret. This is the movie that we should have gone to see. Damn it. So I did not see Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom until it premiered on HBO. And I don't remember when it premiered, whether it was a year later, that I don't remember. But I found that that movie, for me, was even more rewatchable than Raiders of the Lost Ark. It is more of a flat-out, thrilling adventure story. There's very little quiet besides. Almost none. Everything is just like this. Like the rock that's chasing Indy at the beginning of the first film, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Temple of Doom never stops moving. The forward motion is incredible. One of the reasons why Tarantino says that's his favorite of all this, the um, Indiana Jones films. Never stops. Doesn't give you time to go take a leap. Nothing. It just keeps going. Even the scenes in the temple before things go haywire, there's an edge to them. You don't know where this is going. They're having this meal and this is all fucked up. What the hell are they serving here? Monkey brains? Yeah, I think we'll skip that. You got something simple like soup? No, no, you don't want the soup that they've got here, lady. Maybe he liked older women. Great. Kihai Kwan is short round, phenomenal. I'm so happy when he won an Oscar last year. I'm not even a fan of everything everywhere all at once, but I love Jamie Lee Curtis, and I've always been a fan of Kihai Kwan. Love what he does in the Goonies, too. Terrific. Temple of Doom, for me, is the most rewatchable of the Indiana Jones films of all five. I have seen that movie more than any of the others. I also absolutely, and this is where I take issue with Tarantino. You know, if I ever meet the man, very unlikely, but if I ever meet the man, I will take issue with his feeling. And, you know, he, he loves the movies. He's a huge Steven Spielberg guy. You know, they've known each other for decades. But he just finds... Last Crusade to be dull. He doesn't think that the Sean Connery character is particularly interesting. It bothers him. And he loves Temple of Doom. He loves the excitement, the fact that it's darker. That Spielberg, still in his 30s when he made it, was going through not really that great of a time in life. And the movie kind of reflects it. There's a lot of stuff that the younger Spielberg would not have included in there. And the older Spielberg, probably not. But you never know. Because you look at War of the Worlds, or the world is pretty fucking dark in its way. Just saying. But Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, another movie that I had the opportunity to see in theaters, and I didn't because I saw Lethal Weapon 2 twice in the span of a week. Now, I love Lethal Weapon 2, but I saw it with my dad, and then 
I was at the Sunrise Mall in Massapequa when they still showed movies there before the movie theater shut down, years before it shut down. And I had an opportunity to see Last Crusade, and I opted to see Lethal Weapon 2 for a second time. And so there we go again, a chance to see part of history, the trilogy in theaters, and I did my Ray Guy impersonation. Sports fans know who that is. I did my Ray Guy impersonation, and I punted. I didn't regret it that time, unlike Star Trek 3. Lethal Weapon 2 is awesome. It's a great sequel to, you know, one of the best buddy films ever made, and it's certainly a top-tier action movie of the 80s. Both of them, really. I saw Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade at home. I did rent it, and I loved it as much as the first two. It does something different while keeping to the same theme of adventure, some very dark and serious moments, and lighthearted moments. And Sean Connery is so good as Henry Jones Sr. It's incredible to imagine. I'm a James Bond fan. I did an episode on the James Bond films. My thoughts, going back to the beginning, the different actors. When Sean Connery passed in 2020, I didn't think of 007 first. I thought of Professor Henry Jones Sr. He did something there that I don't think anybody was expecting. I mean, I'm sure when Spielberg got him in there, he knew what he was getting. He was getting, you know, an all-timer, one of the greats, who had, you know, not long ago won an Oscar, his only Oscar for The Untouchables in a supporting role, a film with, with uh, Mr. De Niro and Costner, Charles Nelson Riley, excuse me, Charles Martin Riley, and uh, Andy Garcia, very young. Great movie, Brian De Palma. Connery finds something in that role, something unexpected. It's a bit of a comical role, the way he's presented. He's a sort of a buddy dud. I think his character is supposed to be older than Connery was at the time. Sir Sean was still in his 50s, but I believe his character is supposed to be older, and I'm saying that because Harrison Ford is only about 11 years younger than Sean Connery. So I feel like He's supposed to be older than he is. But it's the way that he moves and the way that his face lights up. It's, a, again, another masterclass in film acting. And when he's on screen, it's his movie. Indy is almost a sidekick. This is the story of Professor Henry Jones Sr. He's the one who wrote the Grail Diary. He's the one who charted the course for everybody, good guys and bad guys and ugly guys alike to follow. And he has moments that are just extraordinary for me. And I can watch that movie once a week. Absolutely adore it. And I would, I would vociferously argue with Quentin Tarantino or anybody who says, no, 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 that's by far the weakest of the trilogy. None of them are weak. They're all great. But I love Last Crusade and the way they wrap up the story of Father and Son and Denholm Elliott is great as Marcus Brody. He has a few laughs. John Reese Davies as Sala back from the first movie. Love the guy. So for me, the original trilogy, 1981, 1984, 1989, they are all masterpieces. Spielberg's direction of each of them, magnificent. One of the reasons why Spielberg's films have the rewatchability factor is because of his eye, his ability to see sequences in his head and actualize his vision. Can't really explain it. 
But when we think of those movies, if we're fans, we think of the great scenes. And all three of those movies, they have numerous, unbelievable, iconic scenes. The scene on the Zeppelin in Last Crusade. No ticket, and then the way that it plays out. The escape from the downed air, aircraft in Temple of Doom. Still don't know that that's possible. The opening sequence in Raiders of the Lost Ark. The times that Indy appears to be doomed. The moment when he screams at Mary and keep your eyes shut tight. And you realize what's about to happen to anybody who sees that. Wow. Now there have been five Indiana Jones films in all. I actively dislike part four, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which is supposed to take place 15-ish years, I believe, after the events of the, well, what would be Last Crusade. Spielberg's direction is fine, Harrison Ford is fine, and I am not anti-Shia LaBeouf. He's very talented. The movie is just off. Kate Blanchett is wasted, character is preposterous, and the, the biggest issue I have with part four, other than the fact it doesn't have the rewatchability factor of the others, they had so many different story concepts that were tossed around from the end of the original trilogy until the mid-2000s when George Lucas and Spielberg and Harrison finally said, okay, we're going to do this one. To me, every other story idea that I've read, every concept, there were ideas floated by Quentin Tarantino, ideas floated by M. Night Shyamalan, others. All of those ideas sounded better than what ended up on screen in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And it still rankles to this day. In a similar vein to the way, as much as I love David Fincher, massive talent, has made some of the most indelible films of the last 30, 40, you know, 30 plus years. I wish that he had gotten to direct one of the other ideas that were floated around after James Cameron's Aliens. I feel like they, they did the weakest story concept that had been floating around circa late 1980s, early 90s. There was a better movie to be made with Harrison in that era and Shia as the son and Karen Allen coming back as Mary. Crystal Skull just isn't it. It wasn't it. And man, Kate Blanchett is so good. She sells it, but it's at the service of just a dumb story. Ray Winston, another actor who's always great. Every movie he's in. I recently saw the one, um, Edge of Darkness, Mel Gibson, and Ray Winston in that movie. It's like a trashy action film. Very well cast, but Ray Winston is taking the material seriously. And he plays more of a comical type of a character in Crystal Skull, certainly, than he does in <laughs> Edge of Darkness. Crystal Skull is just not good. And I've watched it four times from beginning to end. I keep hoping that something will spark, and I'll be like, no, 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 this isn't as bad as I remember. It's not a bad movie. The craftsmanship is too good. The action sequences, even with the monkey swinging from the trees, but the the motorcycle chase. There's a lot of really good individual scenes. The movie just doesn't work. And it, it's devastating for a huge fan of the character of Indiana Jones to say the movie doesn't work. So obviously where I'm going with this is 
Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny 2 drew to a close. The only movie that I really marked on my calendar, a movie that is a must-see, is Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. And knowing that it wasn't going to be Spielberg directing, it was going to be James Mangle, but I like a lot of his work, and I know he'll be up to the task. Maybe he's not Spielberg, but who is? Nobody has the visual flair, except maybe a James Cameron, to put action sequences together. Like Spielberg has always had that incredible ability. But I was hopeful, and I remember when Dial of Destiny was playing in France before it got here, the reviews weren't great. But the general consensus was, it's better than Crystal Skull. Just reading that from so many different dispatches, good enough for me. Oddly enough, the Rotten Tomato score on Dial of Destiny is lower than the Rotten Tomato score of Crystal Skull. So when I went into seeing it, and there were people that I know who didn't like Dial of Destiny, but then there were people I know who said, no, 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 this is really good. And Kenny, may he rest in peace, Kenny saw it two times. That's as good a selling point as anything. Because Kenny was a guy, he loved movies, but if a movie sucked, he was not afraid to let you know about it. As we argued on his podcast about The Flash, the movie also from uh, the summer of 2023, which kind of tanked. He hated it, I liked it. And then there were other comic book fans within his sphere who also liked it, and he was angry with them. But him going to see Dial of Destiny twice told me, I'm going to like this movie. So when it finally hit streaming, I, uh, when it hit Amazon Prime, I did something I normally don't do. I plunked down my 20 bucks to buy the movie, quote unquote, so I'll always digitally own it, uh, with the bonus features in case I wanted to check out how they did certain scenes like de-aging Indiana Jones. And I will tell you, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, featuring a now, I think he's supposed to be about 70. It starts off in late 1960s Manhattan. Like, you know, moon landing, Mets, trying to win the World Series. So by that logic, I feel like Indy is probably in his mid-60s. Maybe he's 70. He's definitely not as old as Harrison, because Harrison just looks tremendous uh, for his age. They don't tell us his age. We can guess. He's at least 65. He's definitely a senior citizen. He's still working. He's not retired. Important to note. So Dial of Destiny is not on par with the original trilogy. It's not even close. But how could it be? I wasn't hoping for that. I knew that wasn't possible. But it is way better than Crystal Skull. I've seen it three times, and I have enjoyed it immensely all three times. Even though Bieber Waller Bridge character is not that great. They could have done more with that character. And I like her. I've seen a little bit of Fleabag. They could have done more with that character. But Mads Mikkelsen, as kind of the big bad, brings his A game. I love the guy, Casino Royale, with the eye and all that other shit. He's Daniel Craig's match in those famous scenes at the poker table in Casino Royale. Mads really brings it and really sells it. And you feel it. One thing I love with the movie is it doesn't just tease time travel. It doesn't just tease going back and changing history. It's not really a spoiler alert. What do you think the Dial of Destiny is? But we see actual historical events, and Indiana Jones, the archaeologist, gets to witness things that he never would otherwise witness. And Harrison can feel the weight 
of what he is witnessing. This is not a random old man seeing shit from centuries ago. This is a guy who has studied this. This has been his whole life. Harrison tells him. It's some of his best acting, if you ask me. And Mads' character is sort of an evil genius type. But the movie works. And I remember when I finished watching it for the first time, it was just me, you know, not here. Was, um, I was still in the process of selling Dad's house. But I watched it with the little cats, my cats with me. One or two of them were on the couch and they were moving around. But when the movie ended, I was thankful because it had entertained me. It is a worthy conclusion to that franchise. Maybe they'll try to reboot it with a younger actor or do something, because they did do the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles TV series with, I believe, Sean Patrick Flannery. I never saw the show. And, and Harrison Ford appeared in an episode that was quite famous at the time. I didn't think it was disgusting that they did a TV show based on the character. But I would, if I had my druthers, let it go. Indiana, let it go. Don't make any more Indiana Jones movies. I don't want the character of Indiana Jones recast. I know Chris Pratt, and I love Chris Pratt as an actor. Guardians of the Galaxy guy is awesome. I don't want to see any more Indiana Jones films set in the 30s or 40s. Let it be Harrison, and that's that. I mean, there was talk about 15, 20 years ago, they were going to redo Dirty Harry with Hugh Jackman. Now, that I could see, because the shape of the face, and there's actually some shots of Hugh when he was Wolverine with the kind of mutton chops. You could see him doing early 70s Clint Eastwood, but I'm glad they ended up not doing it. And I sincerely hope that there are no more Indiana Jones films, because they made four great movies and one plunk. And by percentage, that's pretty good. You know, the Star Wars, all nine films in the, you know, uh, one through nine, not counting Rogue One or Solo or anything like that. I think they're all entertaining. I would actually say that none of them are as weak as Crystal Skull. But there's going to be good ones, and there's going to be bad ones. And the reality is, four, five, and six in the Star Wars trilogy are all fantastic. The other six films range from flawed to very badly flawed. The Indiana Jones trilogy, the first three movies, are just about perfect. They are all but perfect. Crystal Skull, to me, is a two-and-a-half star film. I can't go lower than two-and-a-half star, and I would always recommend people who haven't seen it to watch it. Don't skip it, because it sets up part five, and part five deals with the events of part four. Don't skip it. It's worth seeing. It's just a disappointment relative to the talent involved at every phase of the production. But Dial of Destiny, if you haven't seen it, see it. Make sure you watch the original trilogy first, and part four, but you will enjoy it. Even Antonio Banderas in a small role brings it, and he's terrific. And it was great to see him in that role. I wasn't expecting him to be in the movie. There are certain people, Antonio, hey, look at this, it's Antonio Banderas. Did not know he was going to be in the film. So, Five movies, three great, one eh, and one very good. That's a pretty, that's a pretty solid hit percentage. And with that, we've reached the end of episode 89, the Indiana Jones franchise. I'd like to thank you all once again so much 
for taking some of your Friday evening to spend here with me. If you checked out episode 89 on the YouTube channel, have enjoyed the content, haven't done so already, please click like, subscribe, comment, flip on those notifications. Or if you checked out this episode on the audio platforms such as Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, or Amazon Music, same general rule applies. Click like, subscribe, flip on those notifications. I'll be back with episode 90 real, real soon. Until then, da-da-da-da, da-da-da, ba-ba-ba-ba, ba-ba-ba-ba.